With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, Bob Brill. He's Eric Kramer. Welcome to Kramer and Brill, a fantasy football podcast and now a video cast as well. You can hear the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn, Radio.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. And we're now on Megaphone through the C-Suite Network. Also, you can see the video cast on YouTube by going to my Bob Brill YouTube channel or by finding the links for all of this at KramerandBrill.com. You see it right there at the bottom of your page. That's the easiest way, KramerandBrill.com. Well, the National Football League Championship games are ready to roll out. Most regular season fantasy leagues are done, but there are still a lot of fantasy and money leagues going on through the Super Bowl, as you can see with all the Fox bets and all the other stuff that's going on. So we'll take a look at the playoff games each week. Right now, we're going to take a look at how we did for you. So how did we do for you? Well, for the second week in a row, when it comes to winners and losers, I'm on the outside looking in, and you are on a roll. I said the Rams and Ravens were my choices for the Super Bowl. Look how that worked out, huh? <laughs> Rams defense was like butter for Aaron Rodgers and and while hurting the other Aaron Aaron Donald was neutralized in the Bills Ravens game Josh Allen was strong and Lamar Jackson got hurt through another key interception again at the wrong time uh, we both liked the Chiefs and even though Mahomes got hurt and could be out longer they played well enough to win and Cleveland just came up short Tom Brady was too much with the Saints and Drew Brees threw three interceptions we like Brady, but we also like the Saints running game. Neither team worked with the wide receivers very well. So trending up this week, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Chad Henney, and Antonio Brown. Trending down this week, nobody. We're not going to pick anybody trending down this week. So uh, give me your thoughts on the week, dudes. Well, uh, so, okay, let's uh, – uh, regarding not just this past game against Kansas City, but their entire season as a whole, the Browns turned themselves into a significant team. For years to come, I think, and uh, they've not only found their quarterback, which is huge, but they possibly, and more importantly, found their coach. And I think, you know how they talk in terms of certain players make other players around them better? Um, I'm not sure Baker Mayfield fits into that category, but I know Kevin Stefanski all year long has given that to the Browns. He's made them, I think, just – they're, they're, if not already, stepping into that elite team category because they're better everywhere around and they've got plenty of talent and obviously he knows what he's doing, putting it all together. Um, so, you know, like I said, not only did they make the playoffs for the first time in 18 years, uh, but the original Browns, now the Baltimore Ravens, also made those same playoffs. But after, the, after this past weekend, they're both out. And even though the Chiefs would uh, win – I wasn't sure the Browns would execute as well as they did for most of the game, especially running the ball. Um, so I think to switch, you know, games here for a second, Aaron Rodgers to me is about the only quarterback who I think uh, may be as good as Joe Montana was, especially given what he's done for how long he's done it. And it's kind of ironic how Rodgers finished the 2019 season uh, making some references or some hints to the Packers needed more weapons around him offensively. And then instead, the Packers draft Jordan Love in the first round 
And Rogers really gets really nobody to work with. So you think, and then he goes on to have maybe his best season ever at what age is he now? 37, 38. I don't know. He's crazy. He's pushing 40. He's not that, not that far away from it. Right. Right. So, uh, and then, um, you know, I think, uh, what he would have done had they drafted someone like, say, Justin Jefferson or T. Higgins as a receiver. Um, you know, I, I think uh, despite not having that, he still had an incredible season. That speaks to me a lot, too. When I watch him play, um, especially inside the pocket, we all know he makes, you know, tremendous plays outside and moving around. And he's a great athlete. But inside the pocket, the way he moves around with his feet and eyes and the way he sets up throws, working defenders one way or the other, and then being incredibly accurate on top of it is like elite. Um, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, I figured the, the Packers, I think, would be too much offensively for the Rams. What I didn't see was how dominant the Packers defense would be when it needed to be. They were. Uh, they were or how cool. big a role A.J. Dillon. Now, I mentioned, you know, they drafted Jordan Love, obviously, this year in the first round. But they've got a young A.J. Dillon who is their big power back. And at the end of the game, you know, when you're talking about situational football, the last four minutes of the game, that's your offense that you need to control the clock by not passing the ball, but by opening holes and running the ball. And you got A.J. Dillon back there that was – the key figure in all of that, along with their uh, offensive line. Um, and so that's part of, I think, the bigger picture with the Packers is they've got all the different kind of ways in all the different situations to win games and do it in an impressive fashion. Um, back to Lamar Jackson for a second. I think we can all see that his effectiveness from within the pocket um, has so much room to grow. Okay, so not sure if I really am. I'm not sure if you can get there. Uh, that's not to say that he's anything short of the league's best quarterback slash athlete. He is, but he's not a pure passer. Um, he's not Mahomes. He's not Deshaun Watson. He's not Aaron Rodgers from within the pocket. Um, but if we had a draft today and Lamar Jackson was after what the guys we just mentioned was the only one left at, at the quarterback position and I had to take him. I do it no problem because I think he's just that good. Um, and I also think he has, I, I mentioned from within the pocket, he's not there yet. He can get there. It's not going to happen overnight, but being a former non-athlete pocket passer myself, you can get there. I've done it. You know, I didn't start out that way as efficiently working my feet and eyes to the pocket, but a good example of who someone like that is today on the younger side is uh, Josh Allen. Where he's progressed to now from where he started his rookie year, you can see his feet and his eyes move within the pocket rhythmically from one guy to the next guy to the next guy. And he even does it looking off, looking defenders one way and throwing behind him. And that's where I think Lamar Jackson uh, can grow most as a passer. And now you combine that with what he does running the ball. And now you've got some guy that's elite. Um, so I think, um, you know, uh, one of the things I was going to say was that, um, you know, when you look to the to Tampa Bay, New Orleans game, to me, that was the most interesting game going in. Um, you know, you're thinking, OK, Tom Brady has been playing out of his mind the last four or five weeks. Uh, Breeze in some ways the same way. 
who, you know, what offensive quarterback is going to stand out? And that was the big story going in. Well, it turned out neither. And Brady wasn't really responsible for his win. Um, and Breeze, if you could, he kind of was responsible for their loss in a way. Right. Um, and, yeah. and the, the Tampa Bay defense, if you're looking to give credit to, to someone on the positive side, look at what that defense did. They, they bump and run the receivers across the board and they're, more physical than, than the Saints receivers. Their linebackers with uh, David and um, Devin White, I mean, they, and the defensive line, basically closed off all the running lanes for Alvin Kamara. And then they forced Drew Brees to make some throws that really, to me, it looked like, okay, now he's really not capable of making. If you, th- if you think back to that Alvin Kamara throw he made near the end of the game, Alvin Kamara is running up the seam and is looking to get beyond um, David the linebacker. I think it was it was wider David. Anyway, so Breeze throws the ball really when he's not even looking. And had he looked around on time, the ball still would have bounced behind him and at his feet. And the linebacker made a great play on it. And then, but throws like that is what Drew Breeze. You know, he, there was an early throw he made to uh, Michael Thomas where he throws the ball low and behind him that that gets picked off. And so Tampa's playing their offense is their defense is setting up short fields for their offense. And I think that along with Tampa Bay's running game and, you know, that offensive line and those two running backs, uh, Ronald Jones and uh, Fournette, you've got to want to tackle them. You know, you've got to, you've got to want to tackle them more than they want to get by you. And that just, at the end of the game, that wasn't happening. I mean, nobody on New Orleans team wanted to tackle either one of those guys. Well, it's interesting. Um, you know, <laughs> you mentioned about Josh Allen's feet and how he's progressed and everything. And listening to you from last year to this year, talking about another quarterback whose feet haven't been uh, in sync. Uh, and it, I, and I've been watching him in the last, well, up until they got eliminated, uh, Trubisky. Yeah. It, it seems, right. you know, I was watching Trubisky's feet and it's like, yeah, this is what Eric was talking about. You know, his feet are not in where they should be. It's not, his footwork is terrible, mm-hmm. you know, and it just doesn't seem to get any which better. Is, which is, when you think about, think about that for a second. Here's one of the better, if you're just talking about athleticism, he's in the top five or six quarterback-wise in the league, athletically. Mm-hmm. And yet, nobody has, seems has worked with him on how to, Within your drop back, work your feet and eyes together. You know who I found it, it, it later is it turned out, you know, when I was in Chicago, we ran the West Coast passing game. It was only years later that I learned what that was. I didn't know that at the time. And then I began reading a couple of books, one of which was written by Bill Walsh. And right. turns out that um, the architect you know, of the West Coast. Uh, the, right. The guy who invented now. He, he, it was almost to him like a paint by numbers offense. He could basically tell you just on your feet. He could just forget the rest of what happened on the feet on the film. He could watch your feet and tell you if you were playing well or not based on the rhythm. We were just talking about earlier that some quarterbacks have shown and some quarterbacks haven't. That is the great predictor. If you're going to be, accurate if you're going to be able to be anticipate you know anticipate throws and and work defenders within the framework of your footwork and 
that equates to an efficient, you know, they talk about quarterbacks getting the ball out of their hands quickly, you know, well, it's no, it's not just quickly. It's quickly with purpose. It's quickly with moving defenders all within that same footwork. It's not just drop back three steps, get the ball out of your hands. It's working defenders while you're doing that and anticipating throws and working it around a guy. And like I said, the best guy I've ever seen at that was Joe Montana. Not even close. The second best guy I saw doing that was uh, um, uh, Steve Young. Now, Steve Young, from the beginning of when he got to the 49ers, or even before the, he got to the 49ers, was not the Steve Young who ended up playing for the 49ers. Right. So that's why I'm saying Lamar Jackson can get there. Um, it's because you but, – but you have to rep what you're doing every day with all of those things in the forefront, not the back of your mind, but that's got to be the script for how to get better day by day by day. And at the end of 300 days, you'll be better than you were 300 days ago. That's what I think Lamar Jackson, the track he needs to get on equates to something like that. That was the $40 million Steve Young of the USFL. Right. Or, <laughs> the, or right, the first round draft pick, or not first round, but he went to the USFL first. Then he went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and was horrible. He was an athlete trying to play quarterback. Yeah. Now, I watched him at BYU, and he was phenomenal. But the NFL game, he wasn't really prepared for. Amazing, isn't it? How the coach, the offense, who they get to work that offense around you, and how it all gets orchestrated together, how important that coach is. That's why I'm saying the Browns are going to be okay with a guy like Kevin Stefanski. Well, you know, and you, uh, one thing I want to bring about uh, uh, Stefanski is that you brought up um, how that a team, you know, make uh, how a player can make the guys around him better. And I think that showed in the Pittsburgh game. Uh, Stefanski wasn't there yet. The coaches who took over for him uh, and could not call him on the phone while he was watching at home, mm -hmm. uh, they were made better. They made great calls. They made the kind of calls that he would have made as an offensive coordinator in calling the shots. And I think you're right well, on. Well, here, here, and to take that step, a point, a step further, um, Bill Walsh, okay, in reading his book, The Score Takes Care of Itself, he talked about how, you know, his last, they won three Super Bowls, the first one being in 1981 season, the last one being 1988. So what is that? Three Super Bowls in eight years? Yeah. And then they win it, he retires, they win it, in 89 in better fashion than they won it in 88 right Was they blew young. out denver yeah. and he talked about how and then that same team went on to be dominant for a long time with uh who was the the coach the head coach um uh oh gosh what oh, is oh, george name? um george seifert right yeah, george, yeah, seifert. george seifert so and think about it that team was dominant for another decade, especially offensively. And then, and, and the architect of that offense was still Bill Walsh, even though he wasn't there. Right. It was now Mike Shanahan running that offense, who then he went on to Denver and made that team's, the second half of the 90s, the NFL's dominant offense and team. So it, it goes to show you how, as you mentioned with Stefanski, even though he wasn't there, he he has built a 
program an offense and a defense that can work whether he's on the sidelines or not in much the same way Bill Walsh has done and in much the same way Mike Shanahan did and look at the guys that came out of Mike Shanahan when he was in Washington you had Stefan, uh, uh, Kyle Shanahan uh, Sean McVay and and Stefanski I think right or uh, or was it uh, no not Stefanski it was um, Lafleur all on that same staff who have now all begun and become great offensive coordinators as a head coach. Ready for the games? This is probably, uh, you know, as a lot of people have thought over the years that the last weekend, the divisional round was the best round of the playoffs yeah. because you've got, you know, basically four games going. Um, and that was the, the most volume of playoff football you would have. Well, now it's turned to the super wildcard weekend in a way. And, but now here you've, the funnel is going this way. And so now you've got really the four best teams left. Well, you know, the uh, NFC championship game to me is the really, really the Super Bowl, the Buccaneers and Packers. I mean, at the moment, considering the Chiefs may be playing without Patrick Mahomes, uh, they're really at the moment the two best teams in the NFL. Now, Aaron Rodgers is on fire, is clicking on all 11 seniors. Uh, Tom Brady is playing with enough to win any game against anybody, and he's got the Bucs believing. Please don't let me have another Tom Brady Super Bowl. Uh, the Packers, I think, are better all around than the Bucs, and that gives them the edge. I don't think Lambeau is more than a one- or two-point advantage, though, since Brady spent most of his years in the cold of New England. I do like both Antonio Brown and Mike Evans, despite the fact they had only five targets between them. Can you believe that one in the win over New Orleans? I'm not sold on Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette building the ground game into something it's not, even though they had did that this last week. And if the Brady factor kicks in, I think they could win, but I think the Rodgers factor is just as strong, and I think he has more weapons around him. Interesting how, you know, you first pointed out talking about the possibly the two best teams now, or this being the, the kind of the Super Bowl before the Super Bowl. Right. Um, due to Mahomes not being in there. Um I'll say this. I think the Packers are going to win this game, and, I, and I'll explain why in a minute. Um, but I also think that uh, Lambeau is a bigger factor than – Really? Yeah, because, A, it's going to be cold. It's going to be, you know, probably most likely in the 20s. Uh -huh. um, I didn't look at the weather report during the week, but who knows? It may snow or be windy or whatever. And, you know, remember, it's, Brady is not the biggest factor on this team. Uh, if you think about the, the the defense and the running game, those were the stars of this past weekend. And even though it was inside in New Orleans, um, that is that recipe, um, you know, it goes indoors or outdoors. It goes on the road or not on the road. But uh, I, to me, I think Green Bay playing at Lambeau Field has an aura, has a mystique. And you've also got 21 other guys, if you're just considering offense and defense, that aren't Tom Brady. And that who knows about if that team's going to be able to step up and face that, because I'll tell you who does believe Lambeau is a factor and that's the Packers themselves. That's true. Um, and I, I will say that, uh, you know, Tampa secondary, um, it really, to me, this comes down to Tampa. Can they reproduce what they did last weekend against a great Saints offense? Can they do that against a great, maybe even better Packers offense? Um, and again, now they're going to be on the road, as they were last week. But now weather might be a factor, and Green Bay for sure at Lambeau is a factor. 
Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the defensive front seven for Tampa Bay, even though Jason Pierre-Paul is the only one who made the Pro Bowl, they've got Pro Bowl players that maybe just have gotten snubbed, but together, that front seven works unbelievably well. The linebackers are athletic. They're physical. Uh, w- when they hit, you go down. You don't go down four, year, four yards later. You go down backwards when they hit you. And I think that that mentality, that approach carries over into their secondary. They're a very physical secondary. Um, probably the most physical secondary that the Packers have played and will play this year. And so I think that combined with Tampa Bay's front line, offensive line, uh, the, the backs that you had mentioned, Fournette and Roland Jones, uh, Ronald Jones, um, to me, that combination of running attack is very well suited to take on the Packers. Uh, most aren't because the Packers are a very athletic defense, but I think the Buccaneers are an imposing defense, uh, an imposing running game. And I remember when I was with the Bears, we had a very similar running attack to what Tampa does now. It was physical. It was the offensive line that exerted its will. And I remember Ron Turner, our offensive coordinator, going into games talking about our goal is rushing attempts. We want 30 minimum rushing attempts. And those, when we start out the game, expect those runs to net maybe three or four yards, maybe two yards. But the third quarter, Around run, around run number 20, 25, now those three, four-yard gains are five, six, seven, eight-yard gains. And then towards the end of the game, now you're ripping off bigger chunks. And then that opens up the passing game in the play-action game. That's, to me, the formula for Tampa Bay having success. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying that's their formula to me, that if they have a chance, that's the chance they have. Wear now, down, wear down, over, wear down. The, the, yeah, yeah, if you flip over to Green Bay, um, you know, here's an offense that, to me, <laughs> you, you, you talk about the weapons they don't have. What about the weapons they do have? They got maybe the best quarterback of all time. They've got receivers that can stretch the field like uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. They've got Lazard, who first dropped what would have <laughs> been a big score. Then they come back to him, and he catches that one, and that's the nail in the coffin score. Right but he dropped one the week before when they were playing the Rams. And, and so um, or at the end of the season gets the bears at the, so I think the Packers, they've got it all. They've got, you know, they look at the running backs. They got um, Aaron Jones, who is fast as all outdoors, but he runs tough too. And, and then you've got, uh, was it Jamal? Um, I forget his last name. The other running back, that's kind of the change of pace physical back home. And then you got A.J. Dillon. When you want to wear a defense out, that's the guy to come in and kill the clock. And we'll, be, and we'll get first downs doing it. I don't know where Tampa does this week because obviously the Saints weren't the same. They didn't have the same breadth to their offense that Green Bay did. Uh, it, was, it was like a different team. Right. And uh, I, I think New Orleans' formula for success offensively um, it was not as broad and could, could, I guess, exert its will or dominate you in the same fashion that, uh, uh, you know, uh, Tampa Bay's can. But um, 
I don't know. I, I just I, I think Green Bay is going to win this game. I think Aaron Rodgers is on the kind of role as a quarterback that we haven't really seen a whole bunch, especially at the end of the year. You know, this is when it matters most. This is when he not only he, their entire team, offense, defense, special teams, and Matt LaFleur as a play caller is up at the top as well. What what's what's tougher on a football team? Vegas heat or Lambeau cold? <laughs> that's, a, it's, uh, that's a good question. Um, uh, I, I think it's uh, both because uh, when, when right, because when I was playing in Detroit and Chicago, it was nine years right there, and we would play preseason games in Arizona against the Cardinals. We'd play even games in September, even October that were scorching hot. But then at the end of the year, we'd play games in Green Bay and in Chicago and in Buffalo. Or at that time, Green Bay would also play some games in Milwaukee. And, um, you know, they, we never in my when I was playing, we never had a game in San Diego at the end of the season. It just didn't happen. <laughs> so uh, I think it, it's a good question. But I think at this time of year, cold, man, that is a huge factor, um, especially if it gets wet. If oh, yeah. it's dry and it snows and it's a dry snow, that's not so bad. What's bad is a freezing type of rain where it's wet still and it's very windy. That's um, everything. everything. That, that, that can be a killer for an offense. Oh, wow. Bills and Chiefs. Now, this one really all depends on the status of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Chad Henney went six of eight, managed the game well despite a pick. But the play calling really is Andy Reid. Still, Henny is no Mahomes. The Chiefs are less dynamic without Mahomes, obviously, on the field. The odds makers are really having a fit over this one. Uh, the Bills, on the other hand, they come in solid. Josh Allen continues to play at a high level despite a rather pedestrian day. Uh, the defense uh, gets the credit over the Ravens. But again, it's all down to Mahomes. And if he does play, coming out of concussion protocol, how effective is he going to be if he does come out and play? Yeah, um, that's a good question there. And What's interesting to me, just thinking back about that one play, um, you know, and, and as they rolled it over in slow motion from different angles, I don't know about you, but I never saw Patrick Mahomes' head get hurt, get get hit, not by I, the player. Not I, by I, the no, I, I didn't either. I wondered the same thing. And, um, you know, I know uh, it, he got his neck twisted. And that seemed like, you know, uh, at the end of that play, yeah, uh, yeah, and and you know maybe that has something to do. I mean, it's maybe it's like a chiropractor or, or something. I I don't know. I'm I'm just throwing things out. Yeah, there. I don't know but either. I've that, never heard of twisting your neck, though, resulting in a concussion. Well, the weird thing is when he started to get up, he couldn't get up. I, that was, I saw. Totally that I saw too. But yeah. if you're talking about just the head, I watched, and the tackler's helmet never touched his helmet. His helmet, and talking about Mahomes, right. his helmet never touched the ground. So I don't know how he got the concussion, but like you and everyone else, I saw him wobbling, getting up, and looked like he had the he had the effects of a concussion. Um, but I don't know. I, I didn't see any physical evidence of it. Yeah, I because I think about concussions too, and and one or two concussions I had playing pickup football, and, I, and this is going back to like high school days of uh -huh. pickup on Sunday and stuff like that. I remember I, I was playing quarterback and, uh, and of course I never played organized pro ball. I mean, organized ball. Um, 
And we had a kid who played uh, co local college ball, JC at uh, Pierce, I believe it was, uh, who was playing defense line for the other team. And I dropped back to pass and he was right on top of me and I, nobody wanted to block him. And I said, okay, somebody's got to block him. So the next play, they snapped the ball to me. Of course, you do shotgun when you're playing like that. I dropped back, I'm in, I'm dropped back into the end zone and nobody blocked him. And, he, and I was backpedaling and he was coming at me and all he did was touch me like that. Yeah. And before I hit the ground, my head went three different ways like this. Right. And I don't recall if my head hit the ground here or if my back hit the ground and my head hit the ground. Right. I got up and I felt like Mahomes did. And it was a couple of weeks before I could even move. I, I felt like I was going to throw up all the time. Didn't right. know it then that I had a concussion, mm -hmm. you know, because, um, you know, this is like 1970 and you, you right. play like football. <laughs> they but didn't I, have concussion yeah, protocol back then. Exactly. You know, and I, I could I could see Mahomes when he was getting up being so woozy. It's like, oh, my gosh, I know what that feels like. Yeah. Well, the concussion you described yourself getting really kind of looked like what Lamar Jackson, how he suffered his concussion, mm -hmm. right, yeah. in, yes. in the Buffalo game. Yes. Um, so I don't know. It'll be interesting. I mean, I, after the game, listening to Boomer Esiason, he's thinking that Mahomes will play. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what the protocol you have to pass is these days. Um, it's five steps. It's five steps. Right. And I don't know what any of those steps are. But um, let's say he doesn't play. Um, okay, if we go back to just the end of this last game, to me, it didn't look like they changed the game plan any for Chan Heading. And he was, other than the one interception he had in the end zone, which more looked more like a punt that uh, Carl Joseph caught falling right. backward. Other than that one play, Henny looked great to me. Yeah. Efficient, accurate, anticipation. In fact, he's not a bad runner himself. He got 13 and a half yards on the scramble that was third and 14. Um, and then they came back and he threw a little sprint option to the right, right on the money, of course, to uh, Tyree Kill. Um, but anyway, let's talk about, so given the Browns, okay, the, I'm sorry, the Bills, um, have not only put the passing game on Josh Allen's shoulders, lately they've opted to be, have him be the running game yes. as well. And it's now time to put the Bills' fortunes to me in the hands of that defense that, that you know, the one that just shut down the best running game in the NFL that included Lamar Jackson. And, uh, to me, that was impressive, uh. The Bills defense has a guy named Terrell Edmonds, and he's, to me, one of the best, most athletic linebackers in the game. Plays middle linebacker. In fact, his dad, Farrell Edmonds, played tight end at, at Maryland at the same time I was playing at NC State, and he wasn't bad tight end either. And now uh, I think they've got three sons of his that all play in the NFL. I think um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I think – you know, as you mentioned, Mahomes or no Mahomes, that's the question, right? Whether So uh, I say I don't think he's going to play, but I also think that if he doesn't play, that they're not going to – Andy Reid, obviously they've got not only a great play caller in him, they, who, by the way, they run the basis of the West Coast offense, and then you've got, I think, the most gifted offensive team in football, especially now that the Ravens are out of it. Mm -hmm. um and uh you know you've got don't forget about daryl williams who you know we all know Lavian bell is there as well but the guy they really leaned on for this past game was daryl williams and he came through i mean he played phenomenal um and 
you've got Levin and Bell there as well, but you've also got, you know, as a change of pace guy, they've used Tyreek Hill a little bit this year right. in the running game. And Chad Henney himself is not a bit, he's an excellent athlete, in fact, even though he's what his 13th year right now. Like so that, he's yeah. got the experience. He's been, he's never been in a playoff game until last week. But that did not seem to be, that didn't overshadow his performance. And I think if going into this game, I think Andy Reid and uh, uh, Eric Bieniemy and the rest of that coaching staff, they're going to load up Chad Henney to say, look, man, we're going to rise you just like we would Mahomes. Game plan is not going to change. And if you have a bad play, if you throw an interception, look what the defense did after that interception. No big deal. They stopped him and got the ball back. And then the four-minute offense for the Chiefs closed it out. So I think that's where um, the Chiefs, to me, they've got that extra gear that not of a lot of other teams, maybe other than the Packers, have. And they've got answers. Let me ask, let me ask you this. Is it easier to do what Chad Henney did coming in for an injured quarterback, knowing he's got a specific thing to do for the rest of a game? Or is it easier or more difficult to prepare as the starting quarterback for a week where you are the center of all media attention and NFL attention and everything attention, and you've got to figure out, you've got a whole week to sit there and think about all this as well as try to prepare for what essentially is right now the biggest game of your life. Yeah, that's a very good question. That makes me think back to when I was with the Lions um, in the 91 season, uh, we had, we went 12 and four, um, beat the Cowboys in the divisional round. And then we moved on to Washington in Washington in the NFC championship game. And, you know, it, it's the week of media in a normal game in a normal playoff situation is already, uh, at a certain level. And you kind of Henny who hasn't been playing in those environments, you know, last week, I guarantee you didn't have to prepare for that. Mm -hmm. Now, after not having that, now he gets jumps up into the AFC championship game week and the amount of media around it, not just while you're playing during the week of practice, but the day or two leading up to the game itself, it's the national media is all there as well. Mm -hmm. And you've got to start doing things that weren't even a part of your regular season work. And that's if you were the starting quarterback. So I kind of think that Chad Henney think, okay, just think for a minute, if Chad Henney weren't the quarterback and Ryan Fitzpatrick was this week, mm. um, there's a guy that can step into a situation with not a lot of experience for that, or maybe in the weeks leading up to, and all of a sudden he's put in that position. I kind of think Chad Henney, given the environment he's been in now, with the Kansas City Chiefs, and he's been around, okay, not just Andy Reid and the staff, but that that environment of the locker room and the players and how they go execute. That's what he stepped into and did last week. So that's what I think he will be prepared to be, kind of getting himself mentally throughout the week, thinking in terms of what do I do on an everyday basis to be successful, whether it be a meeting, a practice, or a game. That's all you got to do. The, the fact that it's an AFC championship game, 
by the time the game rolls around and you go out to stretch, that, that part of the week is gone. Now it's just a 60-minute game like any other game. So I think that ability for Chad Henney, you know, I think is going to uh, play itself out in that way. And I think that's, to me, if I was, if I was say, working with him, if I was a quarterback coach or if I was a friend of his during the week, that's what I'd be telling him to do is put yourself mentally in the game before the game ever grows around. And let's come up with some scenarios where at the end of a quarter, at the end of a half, at the end of a game, you've got to make a 20 yard throw, you know, to keep the drive going, or you've got to, you know, um, uh, put a drive together that's going to give you some momentum to get back in the game or, you know, you've got to make uh, the the game is you're, you're working towards getting a field goal, but you've also got to control the clock while doing it, too. Mm-hmm. So you can't take sacks. You can't where you would normally maybe throw the ball away. Now you've got to scramble around and at least get back to somewhere near the line of scrimmage. Those are the things that you can mentally um, give yourself opportunities to play out and give some forethought to kind of in a way that you visualize yourself breathing normally and not getting wrapped up in, oh my God, we've got a score. And how are we going to do that? Well, that's not the mentality of the Chiefs. Their mentality is we're going to do, we're going to execute one play at a time. And eventually that's going to result in a touchdown somehow. So I think that's mentally the approach I would take. And I think Chad Henney is going to take for this week. Well, the next time we talk to you, we will be talking about this, who, which teams are in the Super Bowl. There's four left, and the next time we talk to you, there will only be two. Mm-hmm. There you have it. Kramer and Brill, fantasy football podcast, now a video cast as well. You can hear the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn, Radio.com, wherever you get your podcasts. Now you can also see the video cast on YouTube by going to my Bob Brill YouTube channel or by finding the links for all of this at Kramerandbrill.com. That's the easiest way right there on the bottom of your screen, Kramer and Brill. On to the Super Bowl in less than a week. We'll have more on that for you coming up. Uh, Thanks for joining us, my friend and colleague, Eric Kramer. I'm Bob Brill. See you next time.